Hello, my name is Meg. Welcome to the Unedited Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. The goal of this podcast is to help you both develop and enjoy the habit of daily Bible reading and prayer. About 20 years ago, at a very low spot in my life, I was convicted to begin this simple discipline, and I looked up years down the road to see how God had used this habit to heal deep places in my heart and do incredible things in my life. And so over the years, it's really become my greatest passion to help others get to know Jesus through His Word and through His presence. Through this podcast, I'm hoping to help you see the Word of God with fresh eyes, to learn to slow down with your Bible, and ultimately to fall in love with Jesus and to fall in love with your Bible. So thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so incredibly grateful that you are here. Welcome to Unedited. Happy Friday. So excited that you're here. Last night, I had the opportunity to go to a James Wilson and Draylen Young concert. They are on tour currently. And I just wanted to say what an incredible concert it was. It was distinctly apostolic. It was so worshipful. The lyrics of the songs that they are putting out are deep and powerful and anointed And I just wanted to give a shout out. If you are near one of their upcoming tour stops, I would really encourage you, if there's tickets left, get a ticket. Let's support the next generation. I want to be on the front row cheering for those that are coming behind me. I am old. I can say that like it says in Psalms. I am old. But there is a young generation of apostolics that are rising up and carrying the apostolic message. And if you have the opportunity to go and see them on tour, I would encourage you to do that. And so you can check it out, jamesellswilson.com. Just wanted to give them a shout out. Thank you all for what you are doing to spread the gospel and to minister to the church. Also, Unedited is available at PPH. You can use the code UNEDITED for 10% off. And it's not just to order Unedited. Anything. If you need to order Sunday school curriculum, PPH has tons of incredible resources, and you can use ten or use that code unedited for ten percent off of your order through the end of May. Today, I am going to talk about the scariest verse in the Bible. Now, I know there's probably you know I don't really go through the whole Bible and figure out the actual scariest verse. I think there's a lot of scary verses when the Spirit of the Lord departs from Saul and all sorts of things. Um, Samson losing his power. But Matthew 7, 23, Jesus talks about, um, he says a phrase. He says, depart from me, I never knew you. And that verse has always been so, so, so sobering to me. And so this really is not to incite fear today, but really to inspire each of us to get to know Jesus for ourselves and to get to know more of him. Oswald Chambers said, begin to know him now and finish never. And so I'm going to read um, a few verses out of Matthew 7. Jesus is speaking and he says, Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. So those who do the will of God, those who walk in obedience to the word of God. Then verse 22, he says, Many will say to me in that day, 
Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done wonderful works? So these are people who are doing religious things, doing powerful religious things in Jesus' name. And then it says in verse 23, And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. And so there's so much there, and I don't really intend to unpack it fully. But God has just been dealing with me about this particular verse. Depart from me, I never ever knew you. And that is a very sobering line to know that one day each one of us is going to stand before God. And clearly the context of this passage is obedience. But I looked up the Greek word for know, and it's Greek 1097. It means to learn to know, to come to know, to get a knowledge of. And we understand that proximity is not knowledge. We can be around somebody without getting to know them. We can be around the church and we can be around Jesus and the things of God without getting to know him. And I don't know about you, but I do not want to hear that phrase, I never knew you. You didn't walk in obedience to my word. I want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Not thou good and perfect servant, because trust me, I could never live up to that. I'm trusting in his perfection, his goodness, his righteousness, but I want to know him. And again, we can be around the things of God and it feels like we know God, but we have to make sure that each one of us seeks him out and gets to know him. Knowing him, like that Greek definition, is something we learn to do. We learn of him. How do we get to know humans? How do we get to know friends? I was just thinking about this. And really, it's pretty straightforward. And all of the same principles apply with Jesus. We seek them out. How wonderful of a feeling is it to be sought out? Jesus likes to be searched out. He likes to be sought out. There's a lot of scripture for this. We spend time with them. We cannot get to know people that we do not spend time with. We text them, we call them, we ask them how their day was, which is communication. Communication is the primary way that we get to know somebody. And that is precisely what Bible reading and prayer is. And so the bottom line, I believe, of getting to know Jesus is daily dragging our humanity, dragging our flesh, if it has to be drugged, into the presence of God in a posture of surrender and speaking to him, talking to him so vulnerably from the depths of our hearts, whatever it might be that day, telling him where we're at in life, and letting him speak back to us through his word. In getting to know somebody, we ask interested questions. We find out what they like and what they don't like. And this comes back to the concept of obedience. I want to find out what God likes and what he doesn't like. And it's not enough for me just to know what he likes and doesn't like. I want to live in obedience. I want to live honoring what he likes and what he doesn't like. 
And we follow these same exact steps to get to know Jesus. We seek him out. We spend time with him. We reach out to him at different times throughout our days. We communicate with him and we allow him to communicate with us. We talk to him. We let him talk back to us. Again, we find out what he likes and what he doesn't like. And then we do and we don't do that. And we know what we study. I was just thinking about the fact that we know a lot about a lot of different people because we spend a lot of time on social media. Even people that we don't know or have a very distant connection with. Because in one sense, we're studying and we're investing our time in those people's lives through the platform of social media. And we know what we study. If we are going to get to know God, we're going to get to know him in his word. Elizabeth Elliot said, if we're ever going to get to know Jesus, it's going to be on the black and white pages of his word. And so again, this is not to incite fear. This is to inspire hunger to get to know Jesus. We have access to him. Paul wrote, I believe it's in Acts, he said, though he be not very far from any one of us, we can reach out to him. He's approachable. He's accessible. The veil was torn in the holiest of holies. So we have access to his presence, direct access to his presence. Hebrews tells us to come boldly to the throne of grace. And we never stop getting to know him. And I think this is what has really just been kind of the key thought of this whole concept for me. Again, proximity is not knowledge. We could go to church for 105 years and seek Jesus out every day, and we would never even barely tap into the surface of him. He is so deep and so rich and so good and so powerful and so amazing. We can barely scratch the surface in our humanity. There is limitless depths to him. And I want to just stay so hungry for him and who he is. Romans 11.33 says, The depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. And Ephesians 3.8 says, The unsearchable riches of Christ. The New Living says it like this, the endless treasures available in Christ. Do I see him as a treasure? Do I see him as the pearl of great price? Do I see him as something that is worth forsaking every other thing for and surrendering every other thing for? The endless treasures available in Christ. And it was kind of fascinating those two words, unsearchable, in Romans 11 and Ephesians 3 are two different Greek words. They're very close. One is number 421 and one is number 419. But the word unsearchable in Ephesians 3, 8 means that cannot be traced out, that cannot be comprehended. And in Romans eleven thirty three, unsearchable means that cannot be searched. He is bottomless. He is limitless. We will never know all of him. We'll never have a corner on the market. We've never arrived when it comes to knowing him. There's always more to know of him. And that's why I believe the enemy is so 
consumed with us becoming complacent, becoming satiated. Like, I go to church, I check the boxes, I feel good enough. No, I want to passionately pursue the heart of God. You know, as you read through the Psalms, you see a picture of this where David is constantly saying, my God, my refuge, my shelter, my fortress, my deliverer, my strong tower, my rock of defense. God was a personal God to David. David knew God. He wasn't just about God, around God, knowing about him secondhand from someone else. I don't want secondhand knowledge of Jesus. I want firsthand knowledge of Jesus. I want to know him face to face, like it says of Moses, that God spoke face to face with him as a man speaks unto his friend. I'm not there, but I'm going to keep searching and keep pursuing the bottomless, limitless depth of God. There's always more to know of him. There's always more to search out of him. And I don't ever want to hear those words, depart from me, I never knew you. I want to do what I can to know him in this lifetime. And so again, I need no condemnation. I pray that that does not weight you down or push you down, but that that will inspire you and lift you up and lift your eyes to Jesus. What an incredible thought that he desires to know you. He desires to walk with you. He loves you so much. Today, I'm going to share an unedited entry that I wrote a few weeks back called All Things to Enjoy kind of seems like a little bit of a departure from that topic, but I really feel like they tie together because not only does God want to be known, he wants to be enjoyed. I don't believe it is his desire for us to seek him and search him out out of duty, but out of privilege, out of enjoyment, out of love, and the beauty that he brings into our lives when we walk in tandem, hand in hand with him is amazing. And so today's unedited journal entry, all things to enjoy. 1 Timothy 6, 17. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. This phrase has been on my mind since Sunday morning. Paul is writing the closing of his first letter to Timothy, offering instructions to several groups of people and to Timothy himself. In this verse, he speaks to the rich and says not to put your trust in your wealth because it is uncertain. Money is fleeting and unstable. Wealth is uncertain and can be lost in an instant. Rather, he says to trust in the God who is alive. He shall remember, you shall remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, Deuteronomy 8.18. Paul says to put our complete confidence in God, who is the one all things come from. He gives us richly all things to enjoy. Number one, he gives. All we have is from him, created by him and bestowed by him. God is a giver. He gives rain upon the earth and sends water upon the fields. The inspiration of the Almighty gives them understanding. God gives 
songs in the night. He gives meat in abundance. The God of Israel is he that gives strength to his people. His word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. He gives his beloved sleep. He gives food to all flesh. The Lord gives wisdom. God gives the days of our lives. He gives power to the faint. He gives breath unto his people. He gives the sun for a light by day and the moon and the stars for a light by night. He gives life unto the world. He gives peace. He gives the increase. He gives the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives grace unto the humble. And giving in its highest, purest, truest form, John 3:16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Ultimately, he gave his life for ours. He died a cruel death after living a spotless life so that we have the option of salvation. He gave all. Recognizing that God is a giver and the source of all things frees me up to trust him more and it fuels true, deep gratitude. I have nothing that's not from him. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. All is given by God, he gives good gifts. God is a giver. Number two, he gives abundantly. God doesn't skimp, he's not a miser doling out scant amounts. Richly here is number 4146, which means copiously, abundantly. Abundant means existing or available in large quantities, plentiful. God gives generously. God gives liberally. God gives lavishly. Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits. He makes our cup to run over. New Living Translation says, My cup runneth over with blessings. Number three, he gives all things. Number 3956 is in an absolute sense, all things collectively, the totality of created things, the universe of things. Every single thing on this earth is given and made by him. Even man-made things are crafted with matter and molecules that he made him or that he himself spoke into existence. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, and he that formed thee from the womb, I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, that spreadeth abroad the earth by myself. Every single last speck and shred is made and given by him. Number four, All is given by him richly to enjoy. God gave everything for us to enjoy it. Enjoy in Greek is number 619 and it's pretty deep. It means to enjoy, enjoyment, LOL. Merriam-Webster expounds on enjoy, to take pleasure or satisfaction in, and Google says to take delight or pleasure in. God is glorified and magnified and worshiped when we enjoy his gifts, whatever form they come in. God is glorified when we enjoy the green of the grass, the scent of a baby, the sound of lapping waves or a trickling brook, the laughter of children and family and friends. 
He receives glory when we enjoy the beauty of sunrises, sunsets, the billowing clouds, the freshness after the rain, the flap of butterfly wings, the sound of bird songs, the flavor of a strawberry, the love of another human being, the intricacy of the veining on a leaf, the majesty of a mountain, the warmth of sunshine, the richness of autumn, the rustle of leaves, the diversity and depth in all his creation, the symmetry of a starfish, the complexity of the human eye, the vastness of the universe, the unfurling of spring leaves, trees and oceans and rivers and people and fruit and flowers and food and beauty and creativity in all things. He giveth us richly all things to enjoy. He is appreciated and adored and magnified when we delight in the generosity and beauty of the giver and his gifts instead of trusting in riches which are unstable and unpredictable we trust in the living god the author of all that is beautiful and lovely and good this triggers one last thought god is a giver which is why god loves a cheerful giver Someone who gives cheerfully, merrily, hilariously, joyously, and promptly is a reflection of the ultimate giver. He sees his image in us when we learn to give with joy. He loves the giver who recognizes that everything I have is from you, for you, and I will be a channel for you to flow through. I will be a conduit. My time is your time. My money is your money. My talent is your talent. Every single last thing in quote-unquote my life is yours, including my life itself. All I am and all I have is yours, even if it feels like it's not much. Recognizing that God giveth us richly all things to enjoy breeds a strong confidence and trust in his almighty capability. It fuels deep gratitude for all he's given And it motivates liberal generosity because it acknowledges that I have nothing apart from him. Now, time to enjoy Monday with deep gratitude for the giver. That again was all things to enjoy. Jesus wants to know and be known. And he wants to be enjoyed. It says in Psalms, delight thyself also in the Lord. Delight in him. This is not drudgery. It's a joy to know him. You can know him. We can know him. I can know him. He's given us access to himself through his word and through his presence. Thank you so much for joining me for this journey. I look forward to meeting up with you again next Friday. If you have questions or to download a typed or a handwritten transcript of today's entry, you can visit meganedited.com. For now, go grab your journal and your Bible. I look forward to the power of this habit in your life. This is unedited. This is for you. Happy, happy, happy Friday.